0: Hi, this is James Henderson. I'm the president of the North Texas Devils and you're listening to a Yank on the footy podcast with Craig Wessels.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to episode number 67 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels from Sandusky, Ohio, and I'm glad that you're listening. In this episode, I have the great pleasure of talking to James Henderson, the president of the North Texas Devils, the 48th and newest club in the USAFL. James, welcome to the podcast. Glad that you are home and safe and sound and uh, able to join us tonight. Excellent. Thanks for having me it's great. Yeah. It's uh terrific to have you on. We, we got a chance to talk in another, uh, zoom meeting last week. And I don't, I don't think we can talk about what was necessarily going on there, but it you know, it's not classified information, but there was some interesting things going on in that meeting. I was glad <laughs> to be part of that. Um, so mm-hmm. you are the president of a branch bank and new club.
0: Are you excited? That's correct. Yeah. Very excited. Very excited. We're, uh, Officially incorporated into the USAFL as of yesterday. So uh, incredibly excited to be launching for 2021 season. Let's hope there's a season with COVID and everything's gone on this year.
1: Yeah, let's, let's hope you guys get a chance to get out there after, you know, you've got a lot, you've got 47 other clubs right now that are chopping at the bit to get out there because they haven't <laughs> been able to play either. So mm-hmm. what, what is your, your footy background? How did you get to the point where you decided you wanted to start a, a new club?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good question. I, um, I'll, I'll start at the start. So, you know, I played football my entire life. I grew up in Melbourne. Um, you know, obviously, those who are listening will know where Melbourne is and, and know that Melbourne's kind of the mecca of football, if you will. And uh, all through my, my primary school years into my high school years, I was a footballer. Um, I played at uh, a at, at local level and then I also played for my high school. Um, I wasn't a a great footballer growing up. I I actually transitioned to rugby and had about five years in in rugby for a while um, just to sort of beef myself up a little bit, I guess, and uh, ended up transitioning back to football. And so I've always sort of had that passion and and desire to keep playing and and played after university for several more years. Um, I relocated from Melbourne actually when I was 25 and shifted up to Sydney. And one of the first things I did when he moved to a new city is to say, well, how do I meet some people? So I, I just Googled, you know, Sydney AFL and... Uh, I lived in Belmain, and I found the Belmain Dockers at the time that are now the Belmain Tigers. So I went down and joined that club, um, played with them for a couple of seasons. Uh, unfortunately, had a, a pretty horrific injury in 2018, um, a back injury, which put me out for a while, uh, about a year. And uh, when I finally came back, I ended up you know, having an ankle injury straight afterwards as well. So I hung up my boots and, and actually got into coaching uh, where I coached the Belmain second sides. And so, you know, still want to be part of a club and be part of all of that. And um, when I ended up shifting around the world and ended up in Dallas, I, I thought, hey, I want to find find US AFL, find out what's going on. And I found the dingoes and um, originally reached out to the dingoes and said, hey, guys, I want to run some water on the weekends for you and uh, turned up to one training session. And I think it took about four seconds before I put my boots on and started training with the guys and i um, all to sort of too old to play now. So I said, you know, I'll, I'll help out where I can. And, um, you know, 2020 season rolled around and, uh, I ended up sort of supporting that team by, by coaching them for a while as the existing coach stepped down. And, um, you know, really through that, I, I started to learn a lot about the US AFL. And, and one of the challenges I've learned, um, that a lot of clubs face is the fact that, you know, there is one club per city, more or less. And, you know, a lot of clubs are trying to recruit and trying to travel to get to games and, you know, in, in an environment like COVID soccer, uh, has still been going on rugby still been going on lacrosse has still been going on. And I said, look, I, I think it'd be incredibly valuable to have a second team in a market like, like Dallas, it's a pretty big market, pretty big population. Um, so why not sort of, you know, look at talking to the league and look at starting a, a second team in the Northern DFW sort of Metroplex market. And, um, you know, through that, you know, the, the genesis of uh, the North Texas devils came about and you know here we are today launching a new club.
1: Terrific. So, as you were growing up, who, who did you support? Since you were from Melbourne, you had, you had nine clubs to choose from
0: unless you went off the board and chose somebody else. I did, I did not. No, I'm a, I'm a kangaroo supporter, so uh, you can take that how you want. We've had some good years and not so good years. Um, it was always difficult as a kid in school being a kangaroo supporter. I remember at the primary school I went to or the elementary school I went to, we used to do a charity day where all the kids got to wear their football jumpers to school. And there was me and two other kids in the entire school who had kangaroos jumpers on. And there was always (laughs) about 40 or 50 kids with Collingwood, Essendon, you know, all the, all the main clubs. So, um, yeah, it was always difficult, but my, my entire family are kangaroo supporters from my, my great grandparents all the way through to myself and and down into my nieces and nephews as well. Terrific. So
1: you know they they've gone through a pretty significant transition uh this year where they they dropped uh what about a, a quarter of their list at the end of the season, so they're they're kind of in rebuild yeah, mode think, right uh, now
0: I think there was eleven officially delisted and then there's been two more I've seen since um so thirteen off the off the total list and yeah you know, let let's let's hope they're in a rebuild phase we'll call it that for what it is at the moment um you know, let's hope it's more of a rebuild than a relocate. And you probably know I'm referring to that. There uh, well, Tasmania, I, I, so.
1: I, I, do. And that was uh, that was going to be a question that I was going to get into. You know, with the uh, <laughs> with the how the how the, the the nickname or the club name came about. How did you settle on the North Texas Devils as opposed to something else, or what were some of the alternatives that you were thinking of?
0: Yeah, it's it's funny you ask. Um, there wasn't really any alternatives. And so when I started looking at the USAFL and, and the clubs within it, you know, as a lot of people who follow the league know, there's um, every AFL club is currently represented by a USAFL club. And in some cases, there's the mascot, you know, a couple of them in duplicates. There's a couple of Lions clubs and a couple of Tigers and a couple of Eagles and so forth. And I thought to myself, if I were to start another club, you know, what, what would I actually start? Would I go with something that, that is just non-existent and isn't AFL affiliated or, or what would I do? And so I started doing a, a little bit of Googling and um, what I found is that Tasmanian AFL or AFL Tasmania has formally submitted a bid to be part of the AFL uh, with a team in 2025. And in November of last year, they actually registered their trademark, which is the devil. And the logo that we've incorporated is actually the AFL Tasmania trademark logo. Oh, true. And so uh, I wrote, yeah, so I, I wrote to the CEO of AFL Tasmania. I found them on the uh, AFL Tasmania website and just said, uh, you know, I understand you guys have, have got this, U- this AFL bid and, you know, you don't have a, a foothold, obviously, here in the US. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not a Tasmanian myself, but. Um, we'd love to represent the colors, love to have the logo and, you know, really build hopefully a bit of a network and, and awareness of, of AFL Tasmania over here in the U.S. So that when the AFL bid finally comes through in hopefully, you know, four or five years time, um, there'll be a, a number of folks over here who are, already have some familiarity with their club and, and I'll get some instant supporters. So what happens
1: if the perfect storm of something you don't want to happen does occur? What happens if the, if the kangaroos end up? And I'm just putting it out there, since they've been one of the two clubs that have been playing in Tasmania in mm-hmm, recent years. Mm-hmm. What if they relocate
0: and become the Devils instead of the Ruse? Well, there's a, there's a lot of what ifs there. So uh, who knows what will happen in that situation? Um, and I'm i don't know, loyal to kangaroos. I'm, I don't know, quite frankly, if kangaroos are actually on
1: the island or if they're just on the mainland. I don't know that answer to that question. <laughs>
0: Uh, there's kangaroos down there as well, and a lot okay. of wallabies down there. Um, it's, it's the other way around you're probably thinking of. So there's no Tassie devils on the mainland, although they are being reintroduced uh, at the moment. So that's a whole other conversation right. if you want right. to go down the conservation path. Um, so, you know, if if the, if the kangaroos go down there and then they do get rebranded as the devils, or maybe, I'll, maybe i will have a new club to support um, who knows when and, and if one day I end up living back in Melbourne again and, and whether I end up changing my allegiances so I can go watch a team play at home. But um, as I said, you know, I'm, I'm several generations into the, to the North Melbourne Football Club and been a member for a long time, and all my family are members, so uh, I'll probably continue to support them if they go down to Tassie as well.
1: Okay, okay. Well, and I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case, but, uh, you know... It's, <laughs> You know, being a Cleveland Browns fan, and uh, I don't know if you know the history of them, but the, you know, the team left Cleveland in 1994 or 95 and became mm-hmm. the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens right, used to be the right. Cleveland Browns, so Browns fans absolutely despise the Ravens. Hate them, hate them, <laughs> hate, them. hate them. Yeah. So it's uh. Well, how did
0: it- a lot of friends of mine who were Fitzroy supporters are all Brisbane supporters now for, for the yeah. same kind of reasons. And and some of them despise Brisbane for the same reason. So, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. But um, as you said, it's a possibility. I, I think with Tassie putting in their formal bids, um, I believe there's a couple of other areas that are also putting in bids for a couple of years later. So the Northern Territory. Yeah, uh, I saw something last in bid week about love, that. Yeah, and uh, so there's NT, and there's also I think it was uh, West Australia also putting in for a third club. So um, Tassie hopefully will be the first cab off the rank, and, and there might not be a need to to relocate a, a Victorian club down there. But we'll wait and see, I guess.
1: Well, let's let's hope that they can you know get their get their own club. Uh, and you would think that they would have to bring at least one more
0: along with it, so you would have an even number of clubs. Correct. Correct. Because, yeah. I, re- I remember the old days of odd numbers where there was a buy every other week and teams were rotating through the buys. And you know, yeah. I, I prefer if there is a buy to have the whole, the whole league have a buy for a mid-season or something, if need be. But right, I, right. You know, having a team sit out every week isn't the best.
1: So when you got this club started, and I'm actually – a couple of things that I jotted down on the list was, you know, were related to, you know, if there's somebody that's listening that's in the U.S., it's in a metropolitan area that doesn't have a club in terms of like the steps that you went through in order to get this done so so talk us through the the whole process of okay let's let's bring in a second club and and how did you make that happen
0: yeah that's um as i said it was it was actually kind of more on a, on a whim um as i was looking through the league and looking through everything that had happened and as i said i was part of the Dingoes and felt that doing a second club in this market would be good uh, one of the first things that I actually did besides reaching out to Tasmania, you I had reached out to Tasmania not really knowing that we we're going to start a second club, just seeing if they'd be interested in, in having someone use the logo. Um, but, you know, once the decision was made to, to move forward, it was probably around October time frame, so it wasn't that long ago. So it's been about two months to get fully incorporated. A lot of behind the scenes work and, and a, a board group of people that have been fantastic and volunteering their time to get this up and running. So I think in terms of steps, you know, one of the first steps was to get, you know, several other passionate people about football. Um, and not even people necessarily with a deep football background, but I brought on a lot of folks that have um, various professional backgrounds and business backgrounds who have been incredibly helpful with the fundraising and sponsorship side of things, with um, some of the marketing side of things and, and so forth. So um, collated, you know, this, this, this great group of people who have been helping drive a lot of this. Um, I looked at all the different teams within the USAFL itself to really see if it would be feasible to start a club in a market like Dallas uh, or DFW. And um, as I sort of looked through, you know, what, what stood out to me is that there's a lot of clubs that are fairly successful, whether that success is, you know, on the field success or whether that success is around the club culture or around the size of the clubs being, you know, number of people or revenues or anything else in cities that are significantly smaller than Dallas uh, or than the DFW metroplex, and so as I went through all of that, I really felt you know there, there is a lot of feasibility here to be able to have a second club. I think one of the other things that I did just from a step standpoint is um, I made contact with a few rugby clubs because, as you may know, you know rugby's exploded in the US, particularly in the last mm-hmm. several years or ten years. And um, what I learned was that there was uh, eight rugby clubs, not including universities, here in the DFW market now. Um, and of those eight rugby clubs, it's four men's divisions, women's divisions, youth divisions. And in 2021, it'll be the first professional rugby team in the market, the Dallas wow. Jackals. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's grown just incredibly. So I spoke to a few presidents of the rugby clubs and sought their guidance to see how does it work having multiple clubs in the market. And um, what, I, what I was told by a lot of them is the more clubs there are in the market, the better it is for every single club. Because awareness of the game gets bigger and bigger, players get bigger and bigger, sponsors suddenly hear about the game and see bang for the buck. Um, and to one of the presidents who's helped me at, at one of the clubs out here, Alliance big Club, you know, he's been great and shared some of their documentation with me and, and really helped me get off the ground with a lot of that as well. And, um, you know, they've grown from strength to strength themselves in the last four to five years from 20 or 30 players to 120 active players. And so wow. that's uh, and talking to him and talking to a few other people, that's, that's what I want to replicate um so we submitted our articles of incorporation as a business in in Dallas and you know got the logo sorted out and then informed the USAFL of our intent and here we are Wow.
1: so what has been the what's been the biggest the research. yeah what's been the biggest challenge that you've faced out of this whole thing what's been the the thing that's caused you the most headaches or the most sleepless nights <laughs> um
0: I think there'd probably be a couple of things that of bit, to be honest, I think the, the process for getting a club up and running has not been uh, incredibly transparent. And, and I mean that from the sense of, you know, as I think through how do we become a registered business? How do we get our um, 501c3? Um, what are sort of some of the things that we'd need in terms of, you know, starting a club and getting a club up and running. So um, I think again, some of the other presidents of the footy clubs have been incredibly helpful. Um, Centennial Tigers uh, president, Sarah, she's put up a document on their website, the club website, really outlining all the steps required to go through and, and to start a club. So lent on a lot of that. And I think that was probably one of the, the biggest headaches. Um, if I could be pretty candid for this as well, I think one of the other headaches a little bit, no, I wouldn't say a headache for me necessarily, but um, more just generally is the receptivity of having a second club in a market. And I know it's been done five or six times before, but, A little bit of hesitation around some folks, you know, in in wanting another club within a market. Um, But as I said, you know, I I see it really being beneficial to to any clubs when there is multiple in the market. And I see it being very beneficial to the game itself as we grow the game. Um, And, you know, at the very start of the call, I, I sort of mentioned, you know, players having to travel every single game, having multiple clubs in a market, you can start to develop some more regional leagues or team leagues within it. market so we think about COVID now and you know the dingoes could have been playing the devils probably for the last six months if we weren't traveling to Austin and Houston and some of the other local places not getting on the plane so
1: right right. uh, the
0: more clubs there are locally I I think the better it is for the sport
1: okay and what is what what went most the most smoothly that you're like wow that was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be what what just kind of fit right into place and allowed you to move past that onto something else then
0: I think um, I think getting some of our sponsors actually surprised me. Um, the ease at which that came along. So again, it's it's really just sitting down with some folks, reaching out and having some conversations, um, knowing that it was a COVID year. A lot of small businesses aren't really wanting to put up money for things.
1: That makes sense. But yeah, we absolutely. we
0: spoke to some businesses and um, yeah, it's it's it kind of surprised me. We, there's a lot of people very enthusiastic about this, and particularly as we think about um, where the the club for the Devils is actually going to be located up in the northern suburbs of the DFW market. There's a lot of Australians up there, a lot of Australian businesses up there, and and they were really keen to get involved.
1: Okay, so how has your recruitment gone so far?
0: Um, That's probably something that we haven't really hit the uh, play button on yet. Um, It's more been word of mouth or social media at this time. Okay, Um, That makes sense. We have around 20 Yeah, yeah, it hasn't been too much in the way of training or anything like that. A few social kicks to to really start off and have a few people meet each other. I think we have about 20 or so, 21 on the list, uh, which is pretty good given that we haven't really formally started recruiting. Um, We have developed relationships. I mentioned a couple of rugby clubs before, but also (coughs) with some lacrosse clubs, soccer clubs, social sport clubs, and uh, we're in the process. Of, um, of setting up some demos, actually, with a few of these clubs. So the uh, okay. DFW soccer season's in the playoffs at the moment, and when that wraps up, I'll be uh, out there doing some exhibitions at, at two or three of the clubs now that I'll be talking to their president So hopefully that'll boost some recruiting.
1: Now, are, are is this going to be a men's-only club, or is this going to be a, a men's and women's team, or, or, or you're going to have
0: both men's and women separately, or how's that going to work? Yeah, it's, um, I, I think it's for the main part, or for the moment, we're taking of all comers, uh, men okay. and women. Um, we've had both at training. Uh, we do have a few females that are pretty keen to play on the side who live up in the northern okay. area, so um, that's fantastic. Uh, we actually have one of our players who's a female who uh, took it to her workplace and has half a dozen other females who want to come down and play. So I think we are probably going to have a women's team relatively soon.
1: Fantastic.
0: The initial plan was a uh, men's team for 2021 and then branched into a women's team in 2022. I think that the biggest challenge with that is going to be to find a second coach, um, for the women's team. So I don't know if we can have one coach for both, but for the interim, we'll be training everyone as a, as a, you know, a, a big group and, and not sort of separating out the men and the women for now.
1: Okay. And, and how, I'm assuming that, you know, that you just got, you just got the final T's crossed and I's dotted from the USAFL yesterday or the day before you said, right. Just in the last couple of days. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that was just so, yeah, I,
1: I, I, How was that relationship with them in terms of getting this set up and getting it running? I mean, were they, once you, you had the things in place, they were like, okay, you've got a great business plan here.
0: We'd love to have you. Yeah. I think the USAFL have been fantastic. They've been very communicative, very transparent. Um, They shared with us some of the things that we needed to do to, to get the club up and running. They did share some concerns around having, Multiple clubs in markets, but you know they were fantastic at bringing us and the dingoes and themselves together, and and talking about how we can really make this a collaborative approach to this whole market. Um, how we can delineate some of the market as well with the north and the south and things like that. So they've been really fostering, um, you know, the, the the sort of ambitions that we have, and, and seeing this, I think, as a positive for the sport. So uh, I got to applaud everyone from the USFL who's been involved and uh, helped sort of drive this along once they really realised that this was you know something we wanted to move forward with.
1: Okay, and you mentioned the board that you have working with you as well. Or are, they all, are they all Australian expats that, that love the game that have gotten on board here, or have you brought in some, some new converts that, you know, that have discovered the game and have thought, I'd like to get in on this on the ground floor?
0: Yeah, good question. We, we, it's a little bit of a mix of both. So um, we have a couple of Aussies, uh, myself included, as one of the Aussies who have familiarity with the game and known it since forever. Um, our treasurer is actually a Kiwi, married to an Aussie, don't hold that against him being a Kiwi. Uh, he'll probably <laughs> here this too now, thanks, thanks Um, But he, he lived in, in Australia for about 14 years and got into AFL whilst he lived in Australia. Um, we also have a, another gentleman who's um, a Director of Operations Innovation from a local health system. Uh, he's an American who actually lived in Melbourne and worked for John Howard and lived in St Kilda and got into AFL when he lived there. So. Uh, okay. He's actually a client of mine, and, and I was chatting to him about Aussie rules. And, um, you know, when, when the club started up, I said, hey, how, how would you like to, to get involved from the ground up with something great? And he, he jumped straight on. So uh, we've got a bit of a mix of folks and, um, you know, a couple of Americans, as I said, we've got a, an English guy and we've got a Kiwi guy. So a little bit of a United Nations on our board. So,
1: you know, not having been involved with this, what what does the, you know, the was it you and the board that was getting all of the documentation all the business stuff and the 501c3 that was that's what the board was doing um do you have what is their role now that it's established are they you know they're are mm-hmm. they planning are some of these people actually planning on participating in the games as well or are they just there is it in an advisory capacity
0: yeah so we've actually got the formal you know traditional formal board roles, so we have you know president, vice president, treasurer, uh, member at large. Um, what we've really done is parcel out you know whilst the club formalities are now create you know created and done, there's a lot more work to get the club up and running so we do have somebody who's in charge of events um, and that side of things. So we have a large large event coming up on March six and we have one of our board members really focused on getting that up and running and, and really running with that. We have somebody else who's supporting us um, as an in advisory capacity, who's then also helping with you know, development of our website, development of our social media, graphic design, uh, that kind of work. Okay. We have somebody else who's focused on uh, equipment, procurement, um, you know, really sort of gathering all of that. So everyone's sort of really piecemealed out the various tasks of the board and, and our treasurer is also chasing up you know, the sponsorships and fundraising opportunities. Okay. Um, so really, you know, pass the, pass all the world, everyone. And are, are you,
1: are you allowed to mention who your sponsors are right now? I know they're listed on your website, but are you allowed to give them a plug here? But by, which by, all, if you are, by all means, please give them a plug because they've, you know, they've, yeah. they're helping you out.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So we, we have, uh, five signed sponsors at the moment, um, So I'll start with one of them that a lot of our listeners may be uh, familiar with, and that's Aussie Sports USA and and Amy from Aussie Sports. So Aussie Sports has been the provider of uh, football gear um, to many of the USAFL clubs. Uh, Amy's a graphic designer and has designed a lot of the uniforms, a lot of the training kit. Um, So she's actually stepped on uh, in an advisory capacity to us. She's not actually a formal board member, but is helping us with the club. Uh, Her background was as one of the founders of the Sacramento uh, Suns and also involved in the D.C. Eagles for a while uh, and also involved with the U.S. AFL. So Amy has a very deep understanding of U.S. football um, and she currently is back in Western Australia, but uh, has been sort of jumping a lot of our calls and and helping a lot. So um, Aussie sports, you know, certainly recommend going with them. we then also have the Aussie Grind Cafe. They're located up in Frisco. Um, you know, a great couple there, Lou and Ange, who run that cafe. Uh, it's also sort of a, a cocktail bar in the evenings as well now. Um, they've jumped on board, and, and, you know, they've got a, a huge Aussie um, contingent who go and shop there often, so they're helping us even with recruitment and, and sort of getting the word out there. Uh, Guru cool. Contracting is one of our – I was oh, going to say yeah. real
1: quickly, the, uh, the, the coffee shop, that sounds like the, uh, the go-to place for the club after games. Sounds like that's where you're going to be
0: headed. <laughs> that's uh, that's one of the places for sure. They they okay. recently put on a bit of a Christmas uh, Christmas do, and I think half the club was you know in attendance. That was great. Fantastic. Um, and hopefully they'll be catering, catering some sausage rolls and meat pies for our board meeting. So we'll, we'll look forward to that. <laughs> um, the uh, the other couple we've got there, Guru Contracting, is is actually uh, a contracting company that is run by one of our players. Um, and funnily enough, that player found out about us through the Aussie grind and he you know, not only came along saying, hey, I want to play, but my company wants to support you. So uh, you know, Guru Contracting, um, you know, certainly give them a shout if you've got any drywall uh, or other needs for framing or, or anything like that, residential, commercial. Um, the last two there, we have uh, Kicking Dynamics. Um, kicking Dynamics is run by a good friend of mine, Tim Schmidt. Um, Tim actually played for the Sydney Swans for a period of time, uh, okay. unfortunately got injured. But... Uh, he and I managed to meet um, playing for Balmain and Tim branched into um, this kicking dynamics business, which is teaching youth and Swans Academy kids and a whole bunch of others uh, kicking skills, purely focused on kicking. Um, Tim was also the the first coach of the GWS women's team in the inaugural season of the AFL women. So okay. uh, he and I have a, a good history and go way back. And he's also supporting our club in an in advisory coaching capacity. Um, is, and then finally, is he uh, in
1: Texas or is he still
0: in? Uh, is he in Sydney? He's in Sydney. Uh, okay. He's still in Sydney. He did a webinar for the US AFL last year, um, and you know we we would love to get him to come across. I think you know a lot of clubs would benefit from having some time with him, whether it's virtual or or having him in person when he does get the chance to travel back to the US. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, he, he'll fix people's kicking up within within a few hours. So, highly recommend uh, getting in touch with him. Um, and then the final one there is Supreme lending. Um, Supreme lending is actually uh, a former president of the dingoes. Um, Brent Miller, he, he's one of the employees there at Supreme lending and, and they've jumped on as well, um, uh, supporting us. So, uh, okay. yeah, a few good sponsors and hopefully I won't give it away, but a few more to be announced pretty soon.
1: Fantastic. So it's, it sounds like you guys have started, you know, with a really solid foundation in terms of, you know, having, you know, the foundation or the base if you will in place that's going to allow you to build on top of that so that's that uh you know the fact that you've got that in place and you, you said early on that it was just kind of a whim that you did it you know but for for a whim you've got this darn thing pretty well organized
0: <laughs> <laughs> so. there's 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 a ways to go craig there's a ways to go so you know, having been involved in a lot of different clubs um throughout my lifetime sort of i recognize the difference with you know some really robust you know we're certainly not a professional club, it's an amateur league, but professionally run club. And right, um, right. You know, we really want to be that. We, we want to ensure we have the right gear. We have, you know, a, a formal ground that is our ground full size footy ground for the whole year. And we negotiated that with Plano parks and rec and um, things like that. So we're, we're really sort of setting ourselves up to hopefully be you know, something that grows grow pretty significantly from the foundation.
1: Okay. okay. So let's, let's say that the, the uh, vaccines get to everybody. 2021 happens you you said march 6 was when you're going to have kind of like an introductory day to talk about the game is that where you're going to be inviting prospective participants people who might want
0: to come see what the game is about that sort of thing yeah so um i don't want to give too much away on the march 6th event okay we haven't formally announced that yet we're just asking people to to save the date but uh what, what i will say is you know um our vice president who's who's set this event up i think he's he's got a fantastic venue um that is a public venue that has a open space that will be on a stage with a big screen doing footy exhibition and we're, we're hoping to have quite a few people come through and there's a uh, a massive amount of businesses around that area that are participating as well um so again don't want to say too much but you know we we think that that's going to be great and i, I do know that there's a few of the other – I mentioned some soccer and rugby clubs and others that I've spoken to who are planning to send their players to come along, um, you know, to the event. So it should be a really fantastic day, and, and we hope yield some – both fundraising as well as some players for the club.
1: Terrific. So, you know, if you've got people who have not played the game before but who are it, who it sounds interesting to, I would recommend – I'd recommend showing them the twenty eighteen grand final, but not the nineteen eighty-nine grand final. Because if you show them 'em eighty nine, <laughs> they're just gonna turn around and run for the hills and, and you won't have anybody play it, you know, after watching what you know what happened mm-hmm. in that game. Um so if a little
0: more biff back then.
1: No oh, my goodness. I, I my son was home uh during Thanksgiving and, and he hasn't watched any games yet. And I actually sat sat him down to watch the eighty nine grand final and he was like, Holy crap, this is and I said, It's not really like that anymore. This is, uh, this, it's a little <laughs> bit different because, you know, cause I, I uh, you know, if you, if you go back and, and check out the first episode of my podcast, I kind of give you my, my overview of what I think the game is like, because you know, some people talk about it being kind of a platypus game because it's got all sorts of different pieces and parts. And I, and I, I, I described it I uh-huh. think, as a, is a combination of rugby, American football, soccer, cross country running, mixed martial arts, volleyball, and calculus. Is kind of how I describe it. I said, you put all those together. It's kind of what this game is about, you know, and, uh, and I think the cross-country mm-hmm. running is going to definitely come into play now that they've, uh, they've reduced the number of interchanges by what, uh, mm-hmm. 20% for this year. So if, if, uh, yeah. if somebody wants to get in touch with you, somebody's interested in uh, reaching out to you, how do they go about doing that?
0: I think the best way to get in touch with us now is through social media. Um, so any platform that you use, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, or uh, or obviously Instagram, we're just simply found at NTX Devils, North Texas Devils. So it's just NTX Devils. We also okay. have a website, which is also NTXDevils.com. Uh, website still under development. Uh, we've got some of the basics up there at the moment, with a little bit of information about the club, and there's a contact us form uh, on the website. And then the final way, if anyone doesn't use social media, and there's a few people still out there to go, uh, would be on email, info at ntxdevils.com. Okay.
1: And I'm looking at the website right now on my other screen, and it looks – you know, I was looking at it last week. It looks terrific. It's got it's got a lot on there. You know, I I love the fact that you've got the what is AFL video on there because that's, that's a clip that I show my students, you know, because I'll – you know, I get mm-hmm. to school very early in the morning. Uh, you know, in the spring and in the in the fall when the games are still being played, and I'll have a game on in the in, in my classroom, and the kids will just come on. And they're like, "What the hell is this?" And they they really get <laughs> caught up in it. You know, and I've got a lot of kids who are football players yeah. and such, and they they get really excited about it. And it's uh, you know, it's something. You know, we've got uh, I, three teams here in the state of Ohio. Um,
0: so mm-hmm. yeah, you know, we're we're nowhere we're not big I, enough uh, to have anything. I think like that. Right? Uh, I think that the the What Is AFL video is, is both a blessing and a curse, if I can be honest, to the game. Because I think I've shown countless people that video. And it looks so fantastic, so fast, so rough. People jump so high. Uh, the people that are unfamiliar with the sport, you know, either really get into it and want to watch it, but don't necessarily want to participate in it um, because it just looks too high end. So... I often tell people, it's kind of like if you're describing the NFL and you show highlights of, you know, with the Cowboys or some of the Patriots, um, that's kind of the equivalent. So, you know, there are some other videos that I do like to show people that are probably a little bit more um, entry level, if you will. not just familiarize people with the game. But, yeah, there's there's a couple that I think are a little bit better as well, just for people wanting to participate. Uh, But that what is AFL for getting people to support the game is, is phenomenal.
1: Yeah, that's, in fact, a uh, uh, gentleman that I've had on the podcast before that runs a, uh, the, he's a Carlton supporter. Um, he actually did a, re, a revision of it and added like another seven or eight minutes mm-hmm. worth of, of video, he incorporated it into that one. So if you go, if you find it, it's like a 12 minute mm-hmm. video now instead of a five minute one. So it's a lot more, it goes a lot more in depth into things than it than it did before. It's kind of a neat yeah, one, but yeah, I yeah, think you're, I've you're, seen that one as well. You're but. right; this one is kind of like a a highlights video. You know, watching you know, watching people take marks that that aren't likely to happen every game. You know, you don't mm-hmm. really, you're not seeing you know the guy losing his shoe or having to come off you know with a with a bloody nose and that sort of thing. And
0: you know, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's
1: it is a fascinating well, we, we've game. We put a lot of
0: different videos up on our. Uh, We've put a lot of videos up on our Instagram um, that are also, you know, a little bit more grassroots, kind of what is AFL and talks about the US AFL, um, you know, references there. There's one with the magpies, New York magpies on there. So we highly recommend people if they want to check it out and see a little bit more grassroots to, to jump on our Instagram and have a look at some of the Instagram TV we've got up.
1: Okay. And if everything goes well and everything's going to go well, there's going to be no problems at all, right? no no issues no problems Mm -hmm. at all yep easy easy where do you where do you see uh where do you envision the team being in five
0: years well five years is probably a bit further than i've been thinking Uh, okay well let's go let's go three years um no we, we we have a few goals that we've laid out as a club so um we've got some sort of active player goals across the next one, two, and three years. Um, ideally, we'd love to get ourselves up to 100 active male participants and about half that with female participants. Um, it's probably about a three-year goal. Um, yeah, with the active recruitment and things that we're doing, we, we'd obviously love to get an A and a B side in now on the male side. Um, and then be relatively competitive. So you know, being brand new, I'm not sure where the USAFL would put us with respect to divisions. Uh, if, if there's a nationals that goes ahead or anything like that, um, we do have a pretty good contingent of Aussie players. So hopefully that'll that'll lift us a little bit. But we have a lot of guys who've never even heard about the game that we've managed to to bring down to to training sessions and get involved. Um, so we've got a really good spread of of individuals. And so I think in that first year, you know, it's really just about winning a few games. Uh, in that second year, it's about, you know, actually being pretty competitive with a few more of those games. And, and let's see if we can sort of start to climb up, you know, through through the divisions as we go into year three and beyond. Okay. And
1: if I'm not mistaken, uh, your store, you've got your, uh, your birch it's going to be available pretty soon in your storefront on your, uh, on your page. And uh, yeah, if you haven't seen their logo yet, and I'm going to provide a link to their, to their website and uh and their socials in the uh, show notes, it's a really cool-looking logo. So I'm thrilled that, they, that the, uh, the group in, uh, in Tasmania that are, that are looking to get a team allowed you to use it. So, and something I forgot to ask you as a follow-up on that, you know, they've evidently said, okay, they're thrilled with they're good with you using it. Were they, mm-hmm. were they
0: excited to have the exposure, or was it reluctance, or how did, how did that work? No, I I think AFL Tasmania have been great on that front too. Um, You know, there there was a little bit of of challenge kind of finding the right people to get in contact with, um, but they have all of their football development folks, their executive team all available on the AFL Tasmania website. So literally just emailed a bunch of of them and, um, you know, like any football club, they've gone through some challenges earlier this year with COVID as well and football not happening. So that was, I think, a focus for them. Uh, but finally you know the ceo damien he he came back to us and and he was very supportive um sent across not just the logo but branding guidelines and some other things to to help the club out as well so i think they're they're very much on board and we can't wait to have our jerseys printed pretty soon and we'll send one down so he can hang it up in his office as well
1: fantastic i was hoping that if, if uh tasmania got a team and this was and i i actually posted this on social media i thought it would be funny i some people thought it was humorous. I thought I thought the team should have been called the Hobart Simpsons like the the TV character how about Bart, Hobart, how about what, the Hobart the Hobart Simpsons like Bart Simpson <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I thought that would have been a you know, it, it took me a second it took yeah. me a second <laughs> yeah and it, it's a second too long because it's it's dumb, but you know you can have the, the the yellow Guernseys and just you know kind of the ruffles of of Bart's hair on the top of it that sort of thing. Yeah, dumb idea. I'm probably I'm going to cut that out of the. Uh, No, I'll probably leave it in. But uh, yeah, that was. uh, No, no,
0: that's 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 good. Hope, yeah, that's uh, the Hobart Simpsons. Uh huh.
1: Yeah, that's. uh, You're going to get off. You're going to get off this uh, interview tonight and go. I cannot believe he said that. I know that's going to
0: happen. And it's okay. (laughs) I'm just chuckling as to what their uh, what their club song would be now. Would they have you know a corumbra or something in there? Would (laughs) they? Eat my shorts or something? Yeah.
1: No, I've actually, there's actually a song and I'll have to find it again. And I actually, I talked to the the guy that did the song, but it was, it was actually a song about specifically about bringing a team to Tasmania. Um, there's actually, there's mm-hmm. actually a song on YouTube about bringing a team to Tasmania and it's, I saw it last year, the year before. Um, I'll have to find I'll it. I'll, to I'll, plug, I'll plug it in the show notes. I'll put the YouTube, the link to the YouTube thing on there. So I think we covered, pretty much everything that we wanted to get into so you know we've got the the web address and like i said i'll put the uh link to the website on there uh i hope your recruitment goes Mm -hmm. well you know i hope that uh i hope you get the numbers that you're 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 wanting i i i surely hope that the games are able to go forward this year because that if they're going forward that means they're going to be going forward in a lot of places and that's good news
0: yeah yeah absolutely and look i'm going to give one last plug um not just again thanking the board and the volunteers that we've had for the club, but thanking all of the other club presidents that have reached out, um, and been supportive through this We've, you know, I mentioned Sarah from Centennial earlier, but, um, you know, Drea, Wayne, Darren, a whole bunch of folks have really been great at, uh, getting on board. I know the the 45,000 initiative as well is out there really trying to help grow grassroots football. And I think there's, there's a lot of us of a similar mindset that, you know, we, we just want to grow this great game. Um, whether it's here or or any states and whatever we can do. So thanks to to everybody who's been involved, everyone who's been supportive and everyone who's helped, you know, encourage the Devils and and helped us get off the ground.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, before we dive into the last segment of the discussion that I had with James, I did want to mention that part of the setup as far as the new club being established in the Dallas-Fort Worth area was that they established a line of demarcation, if you will, between the, the two clubs and the areas from which they can draw players. Now, they can't, as I learned from James during the discussion, they can't compel a player from one area to come and play for ex- exclusively their own club or that area, but they wanted to try to ensure that they had some sort of a layout between the two clubs to make sure that it was equitable and fair. And that is the, uh, the delineation mark there is Interstate 635. And north of Interstate 635 is considered to be the territory, if you will, of the Devils. And south of Interstate 635 is considered to be the territory of the Dingoes. So the football operations for both clubs have to be either bef- below or above that line, depending on which club it happens to be. But again, if it's somebody that lives near Interstate 635, if they live south of it and they decided they wanted to play with the Devils, they would be allowed to do that. If they lived north of 635 and they decided we wanted to play with the Dingoes, they would certainly be allowed to do that as well. So when I spoke to James off air after the interview was conducted, he wanted to make sure that we clarified that. So I wanted to make sure that I provide that information for you as we go into this last segment. So hope you
0: enjoy. I mentioned a sponsor who's with the Dingoes um, was the former president of the Dingoes. He's offered sponsorship to both clubs Okay. and so that's not a that's not an exclusive for doing it for the devils, but um uh, the, the supreme lending. They've said if either club you know were to use Supreme lending for anything, then there's donations and, and monetary value that comes back. Uh, our club's already used him, frankly, for two mortgages recently, which qualified them for a sponsorship. So I said, well, you know, how about you guys sponsor us? And I said, sure. So it's uh, kind of cash back into the club through through using their services. And that's also available to the Dingo's players. In yeah. fact, I think he'll do that for any a USA club club. Fantastic. No, no, I was going to say, we didn't, we didn't poach anyone. I'm, I'm just sharing that. Yeah, we, we did not approach any players, did not approach any board members. Well, yeah, and
1: I wouldn't have thought you would have done that. But I, you know, I... I did wonder in the back of my mind if there was somebody that, that was playing with the Dingoes that that maybe lived a block and a half away from the park where you were playing that thought, this is a heck of a lot shorter career yeah. for
0: me. And I think about six or seven live up north who want to come play for us. Okay. And so uh, we've been very explicit with those players and told those players, we're not asking you to come to us. We, you know, if your loyalty is with the Dingoes, go to the Dingoes. But – to your point, you know, a couple of us said, Well, at least five minutes from where you guys are going to be, and I'll leave 45 minutes from the dingoes. It's an hour and a half commute for every training, and I can't get to, you know, eighty percent of the trainings because of that. So I'll, I'll come play for you.
1: And that makes sense. I mean that that hopefully that yeah. makes sense with the people that are that are involved with the other club. Hope,
0: well, hopefully. conversely, we've also had people uh, reach out to us through social media saying we, we're interested in football. And I asked people where do you live? And they go, oh, I live in Dallas. And I say, Well, you know what? There's actually another club in Dallas. So okay. if it's easier for you to go to them, so I've pushed uh, six people now to just to the Dingo's website. not their website, their uh, to their Instagram. Okay. Um, I don't know if they've pursued it or followed it or or anything from there, but we are very happy to continue to tell people in the south to go to Dallas, people north to come to us.
1: Well, yeah, because this has to be a symbiotic relationship between the two of you. It, it, if it's if you, exactly. you know, if you if you go in intentionally trying to cannibalize the other club, it's gonna you know. Either, each club, it's it's gonna it's gonna tear both of them apart. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's, that's why I a, mentioned the rugby
0: model. Um, I I think that the rugby clubs have said the more clubs and the more people playing rugby, the bigger every single club gets.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, because people people get exposed to it. They see it. That ma- that makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. That means you know that's something. There's that, uh,
0: supposedly three. Yeah, three thousand rugby players in DFW now. Wow. Yeah, the USAFL's foot yeah the usafl is an entire league is 1400 players and there's 3000 rugby players in dfw so, so that's just this market so i mean you multiply that across the country it's uh you know very yeah i, I think it's replicable frankly
1: so we, we've got we've got our work to do to get to to get the numbers of the afl up or the usafl up there a little bit well
0: that's uh that's the whole forty five thousand initiative, right? Yeah. And I wanted to give them a quick plug, but uh, you know, that's why they're aiming to get to five thousand. I think Wayne and you were on that call last week and, and you mentioned we can't say too much, but Wayne was uh, he's a life member of the USAFL and the US AFL's been around for twenty three years. And I think the numbers of players in the USAFL has been pretty stagnant for several years. And so the question now is, you know, how do we what where why have we got to a standstill with Aussie rules in this country? And part of that is because of the fact that there's one club per city. And when you talk to some players, and I've spoken to a few, you know, when I started out at Dallas, there was 30 on the list, but they only take 14 on the road because not every player wants to pay for a flight to go to Chicago and accommodation and take a weekend off and stuff like that. You know, if you're an right, amateur right. player who has to play, play to play a sport and then it costs you $2,000 a year to play, I mean, people are going to drop off like flies.
1: Well, that's like uh... – and I'm sure that you know you have you know in Australia that the, the kids who are playing at the playing footy at the, at the highest levels the younger kids the under 18s that type of thing that aren't necessarily the school cl- the school clubs you know they're they're playing' you know, it's, it's like travel baseball here that sort of thing or mm-hmm. a, or AAU basketball where you're playing a significant amount of money to go play at a at a higher level competition you know because my son when he, was, when he was 10, and he didn't, know how to, he didn't know how to tell me this, but when he was 10, you know, he played the local, you know, little baseball league with his buddies and that sort of thing. And, he, and his way of telling me he wanted more competition was, you know, Dad, I like my friends, but I don't want to play baseball with them anymore. And I was like, what are you talking about? He said, I don't care what the snack is after the game. I don't care what you yeah. know. Whether mom brought you know whether a mom brought cupcakes or freeze pops or whatever he said. I want to I want to play you know against better players. That was his way of saying that. So he then went from you know age 11 until he was you know until he graduated from high school. He had eight years of where he played travel baseball all over all over the the Great Lakes area. So we were driving. You know, he played on teams that were kind of like you were saying. It was an it was an hour and a half two hours round trip. Where he we, we were driving there four mm-hmm. or five nights a week, you know, and he was doing his homework in the back seat of the car because you know because of this, and it was, it was a significant investment, and it, uh, and he ended up getting a Navy yeah. ROTC scholarship and getting college paid for that way.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's fantastic.
1: Okay, well, James, I truly appreciate you taking time out of your evening. You've got much more important things to do, in the other room. Okay. So, <laughs> no worries, man.
0: She, she's asleep now. I can't do much while she's sleeping.
1: Well, that's that's true. But you can just you can just go and stare and go. Okay, this is pretty darn cool. You know, having having a twenty three year old and an almost
0: having
1: twenty three and having twenty three and an almost twenty year old. It's uh, enjoy every moment that you can, enjoy them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I started late. I'm I'm not far off 40. So uh you know, by the time mine gets to 23, I'll be in my 60s. But you know, well I'm it'll it'll be all
1: right. I'm 57, you know, and I've got my youngest is 20, so I I'm kind of in the same boat there. Mm-hmm. So yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to thank my guest, uh, James Henderson, the president of the North Texas Devils, for joining me on the podcast. Again, I will have all the information for the club in the show notes. Check it out if you're in the uh DFW area. And you're looking for, you know, if you're not playing and you're looking for a club, there's a couple clubs down there you can check out, depending upon where you live. You know, James, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it, sir. Absolutely. Thanks for having me again. It was fantastic to uh, to have a chat. You bet. This was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And uh, I hope you have a fantastic week.
0: Thanks, Greg. You too.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've enjoyed this discussion with James Henderson, the president of the North Texas Devils, the newest club in the USAFL. Don't forget that uh, just recently I did open up the uh, store page for the podcast. You can search for Yank on the Footy at the Redbubble website. And I will provide a, be providing a link to that in the show notes. If you're looking at an uh, after Christmas gift for yourself, maybe you got a uh, yeah, couple of bucks in your stocking from grandma and grandpa and you want to get yourself a couple of stickers or a t-shirt or something of that nature, they're certainly there. There's a lot of things there for your favorite club as well. So not just my stuff, but all sorts of different AFL affiliate or AFL type things there as well. And again, the nice thing about Redbubble is that when they pick an order from you, they print that order right there in in country. So if you're in the United States, they print it here. If you're in Australia, They print it there. Okay, so you would get it in a much shorter period of time. So, again, ladies and gentlemen, I hope that you enjoyed the discussion. Don't forget that if you'd like to sign up for the mailing list so that you get each new episode delivered to you first, there's a link to a short form in the show notes. If you'd like to sign up, I'd love to add you to the list. Make sure to check out the uh, link to the podcast storefront, as I'd mentioned as well. Also, if you've got an idea for a uh, show topic or someone that you think would be a great guest. Maybe it's you. Reach out to me. Send me a DM on Twitter. Shoot me an email at yankonthefooty at gmail.com. I'd absolutely love to hear from you. Remember that while well, you can find all of the episodes for the podcast at yankonthefooty.podbean.com. you can find it on your favorite podcast provider as well, as well as on my YouTube channel. And it's just right now a static image with the audio there, but I'm hoping to someday do video once I get a little bit better at Editing video, not very good at that right now. But now that you've listened, ladies and gentlemen, I hope that you'll consider giving me a review on Apple Podcasts. Letting me know what I'm doing well, what I need to work on. Let's the podcast host know what you think of the show as well. Maybe get it into their uh, algorithm a little bit where it gets sent out to some more people and shows up as a uh, little bit more readily in their search engine. And again, ladies and gents, don't forget that you can reach me at yankonthefooty at gmail.com and on Twitter at yank underscore on. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram at a yank on the footy. I also want to thank Joseph McDade for the use of a couple pieces of his music. Mr. McDade's created some fantastic music, and I'm using the pieces of Elevation and Backplate. Thank you, sir. You can find his music at josephmcdade.com/music. He's also on Spotify. You can locate him there as well. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for listening, because while we're fans of our own teams, our own clubs. Deep down, we're fans of a game that we all love, and that's the game of footy. Again, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much, and I ask you to please share a link to the episode with your friends and family or your favorite episode. If you are a member of the USAFL here in the States or you're a supporter here in the States, share a link. Maybe you've got friends that live in the DFW area that are looking for a cub to play with, or maybe you live in an area where you think There might be some interest in playing this game right here in my own hometown. Go ahead and uh, check it out. Share it with your friends. They might be interested in that. And ladies and gentlemen, as always, may your dribble kick never hit the post. I'll catch you later. Ladies and gents, this has been episode number 67 of A Yank on the Footy. Don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on or at a yank on the footy at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram and on Facebook at a yank on the footy. And again, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening. And please share a link to the podcast with your friends and family and on your social media accounts. And until next time, ladies and gentlemen, goodbye.